Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Gary Williams. It's Father's Day this Sunday, and my appreciation for Father's Day, being a father now, uh, is ample. Uh, but when I think about Father's Day, I, I think about my dad every day, and he's been gone almost 11 years. And my primary reason for my love of golf is because of the time that I got with my dad. And as it pertains to this particular conversation I'm getting ready to have, I, I can't think of two people who have not only done more as a father and as a son professionally in the game of golf, but the way they've done it. And I'm talking about Jay Haas and his son Bill you would be hard-pressed to find two people, a father and a son. You'd have to go back to old and young Tom Morris, honest to God, to find two people who've done more, uh, both in the game of golf. But it's who they are. It's their relationship with each other, uh, and it's the fact that they've managed to do all the things they've done while being true gentlemen. So I'm looking forward, as Father's Day approaches this weekend, to talking to a father and a son about the game of golf. And with that, we welcome in the father and the son, Jay and Bill Haas. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing great, Gary. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us. Bill, how yeah, are doing you? Doing good, Gary. Thank you. Doing good. Thank you. Thanks for having well, me. Listen, um, you guys have not only a special relationship with each other, but you have a special relationship with the game. And and when I th I thought about Father's Day week uh, and this weekend, I, I thought of you guys first because of not only accomplishment, but but presence and comportment in the game and, and Jay let me start with you um the the game of golf it it seemed easy for him because of the osmosis of what existed in his household growing up as a kid uh with you as his dad how about you as a kid in the game of golf you know I don't know if it ever seemed easy but uh you know having Uncle Bob Golby be my mentor since I was five years old he he nurtured me through my early years in golf, not necessarily swing wise, uh, certainly gave me tips on that. I still, it, whenever, wherever I do a clinic now, it's uh, point your belt buckle to the target and finish on your right toe, you know, or your back, back toe. And it, it, so many people don't do that. And for Bob to, to come up with that, uh, at a young age, that was basically my first lesson for the first five years. He was just stressed that. But I think he, he was a great mentor mentally for me. You know, he kept saying, you can do this. I've seen guys come and go. I've seen what it takes. You've got it. A very positive influence for me. But the thing about golf and, and many sports, uh, many things in life, you have to do it on your own. And, you know, it takes uh, kind of a crazy person, I think, too, to, to enjoy golf at an early age and stick with it and I was just pretty good at it and just, just loved doing it, loved being by myself, figuring things out. And again, with, with him there by my side, uh, instilling confidence in me was huge. Bill, you know, when your dad came home from his job, um, I don't know if you wanted to play golf, but that, his job was golf. 
Like with me and my dad, my dad got home from his job. He wanted to play golf because it was anything but his job. Did you find it difficult to get your dad engaged when he came home from work? Uh, I didn't. Um, you know, I, I've told people a lot that I don't really remember my dad being gone that much. I think that's maybe more of a testament to my mom um that just kind of handled things i know he was gone a lot uh but when he was home i guess i he must have done all his work uh when we were at school and stuff because i don't really remember him saying hey i'm going to play golf um i'll see you at dinner you know i, I and maybe i also was just busy doing other things and and i didn't care i just said okay that's great go play golf but um i think once i got to an age where i remember i was wanting to go play as well and so we would go play a lot of golf together um and I think it was always work, even when we – or for him, and the way it is now, too, when we go play and practice and have fun round of golf, say, it's still – we're still working on something, or I'm always still uh, asking him questions, like, well, why, why, the, why is that ball going right? Or why um, – what can I do to get a little better? Or, uh, and he's kind of always been my my video camera, say. Like, I, I use him to, to uh, say – well, this looks this way and let's try that or this. And because uh, I've never been one that actually likes the camera or, or likes to see my swing. And so um, I'd always prefer to have, uh, say, my dad or my Uncle Jerry or Uncle Bob or somebody to to give me those positive uh, reinforcements or a swing change, because I guess I trusted them uh, maybe even more so than I trusted myself with what I could diagnose. So, um, you know, I don't know. I was very lucky the way it, the way it worked out with uh, for my dad, how much he was gone. I don't, I was lucky. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, look back on it and say, man, he was gone too much or he was an absent father at all. So, uh, they did a good job of that. Jay with, with Bill and with Jay Jr. Um, did you find them, you know, wanting your attention, not in the fact that you weren't going to give it to them. I mean, attention, like hitting good shots, were they competitive with each other? in order for you to react to them one-upping each other? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know how brothers are. They're very close in age, 14 months apart. And and that was a that was a hard thing. And I think most uh, parents can see that in their kids, uh, you know, button heads and uh, being ultra competitive. And they were both very nice players. Uh, Bill, at, the, at a young age, was more interested in it than Jay. But any time I would say, hey, guys, you want to go play golf? They both said yes, would love to play. But they were not ones that, uh, you know, say, come on, Dad, we got to go do this. We got to go do that. They were – and I think that what Bill said there is uh, is very true. I think you have to give so much of the credit, all the credit, to, to Jan uh, keeping the household together along with three daughters, those two uh, brothers, you know, when I'm gone, he says he doesn't remember me being gone. I remember that, you know, I remember being gone a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we somehow had a normal lifestyle because of, of Jay and keeping everything together at home. But, uh, you know, as far as those guys being uh, ultra competitive, it's tough when your little brother beats you, you know, and uh, Bill was a, a bigger kid. Uh, and so, you know, there was a time in there where maybe Jay realized that Bill was a little bit better player and that had to be pretty difficult. I think if I had to do it over again, I would have taken him more solo one-on-one, -on -one, but it's kind of hard to tell 
one of them, hey, you're sitting out this one today. Uh, you know, and I've told other parents when I see them, dads, they say, how do I, how do I handle these two, two boys or uh, two girls? And I just say, you know, try them one-on-one. -on -one. And so they're not comparing each other and, you know, maybe get a little more attention, a, a little one-on-one -on -one attention that uh, maybe they're looking for. Bill, um, having kids now, um, you know how kids are, they're oblivious, which is a glorious existence to have. Uh, and then you lose that. And all of a sudden you have context about like people in your life and what they've done and who they are and what they mean to you. Do you remember getting context of what your dad did to the degree that he did it? And what effect did it have on you? Uh, I don't think I realized, you know, I'm still realizing, um, every 66 he shoots on Sunday <laughs> at, his, at age 68, how good he is and, and was, and, um, I appreciate it more and more every day. And so, no, I didn't think at a young age, I just assumed, um, probably at a real young age, I assume most dads played golf, uh, and most dads could play it professionally if they wanted to. That's just what my dad decided to do. And, uh, as I got a little older and got a little better at golf and then went to college, even, I would say even in, in college was when I probably started realizing um, his lifestyle even more so than uh, even when I was in high school, just probably because I had so much going on and I was doing my own stuff and um, trying to learn how to play golf. I was still thought I was decent at basketball. I thought I could play basketball. Uh, and I was, I was just into my own, own head. I'm probably more so, but um, every day, I think I do realize uh you know, the impact he's putting on the game and uh, how good he is. You know, Jay and Bill, I was I was texting with someone who's very close to both of you, Billy Harmon, over the weekend. And and good for him and Craig and, and Butch and the honor they got at Wingfoot, rightly deserved uh, with their honorary membership. But I asked him, I said, what are some things that you would ask the two of them? Because you know him so damn well. And he said, ask Jay when he thought Bill had it. Was there a was there a singular moment? Was there a, a series of progressions that you went, wow, he might be able to do this? Well, at a very young age, uh, with Thorn, but we live at Thornblade Club in Greenville, and it, you know, the boys kind of grew up there uh, playing golf at that course. It was open maybe in 1990, so uh, Bill was probably seven or eight years old, and we were playing the sixth hole. It's a par three with a creek on the left and kind of a little grass bunker down to the left. And he had his tee shot down there. And most people, I don't care what age, most people would just go down there and look at the, you know, find the ball and hit it up on the green and walk up and it's 20 feet short or 20 feet long or whatever. And Bill had gone down there and he kind of was looking at the lie. And now mind you, he's seven or eight years old. And before he hit, he kind of walked halfway up the hill. And in, it, it was I was observing this and kind of was formulating how this shot should come off. You know, he needed a little height to it. He needed to play it to the left and was going to break a little bit. And I just kind of looked. The, I, I just remember that for some reason that not many people uh, would would consider this shot other than a professional golfer or somebody very accomplished in golf. So that uh, that was one uh, one incident early on that I thought you know this kid maybe has got something a little different than than the majority of young people and there was another time when probably high school days 
and we were playing at, uh, we were on the back nine there at Thornblade and we were trying to find his drive and it was kind of over this bunker and we couldn't find his ball. We just couldn't understand why it wasn't right in this one little area. And he walked up like 35 yards and he turned around and he goes, you don't even want to see where this one is. <laughs> so it was, you know, that was when he started hitting it by me a considerable amount and a game game set match there. Like you, when your first time you beat your dad at ping pong, that was, uh, that was that, uh, that moment. Well, Bill was, was your dad the measure? Did you, did you kind of look past your contemporaries, the kids of your age and, and hone in on him? Yeah, I did. I, um, again, I was a decent high school player. And then once I got to college and keep in mind, even in high school, I think I'd beat him once ever and uh and so a lot of kids beat their dads if they're pretty good players at a young age and i couldn't beat them basically and and still can't but i in college i remember saying um a lot of my buddies that were maybe at different schools and uh even and, and on my team were talking about turning professional and i just remember thinking well i can't i can't beat my dad and so i i can't turn professional i don't know what i'm gonna do after school but i there's no point in me trying and so that was kind of my he was a the barometer, you know, like the the test of if I could maybe get to where I could beat him on a somewhat, you know, two out of ten times, three out of ten times. Well, then maybe I would consider going to Q school because then, you know, what's the point of going to Q school if you can't even beat your dad, you know? And so, um, which he was, I knew he was a really good tour player, but that was the point was if I want to be able to play out there and have a career, then I would certainly need to be able to beat him on a regular basis or sometimes just to to make a cut or two, but. Um, so yes, I think I, I definitely looked past, uh, maybe the, the kid on the high school team that was a good player, or maybe the next guy on the, on the, on the golf team at Wake Forest. I remember thinking that, uh, that I needed to get better if I wanted to, to continue to, to have a next stage in golf after college golf. And uh, I was very fortunate to have that. Jay, the, the name on the bag. And I, I say that because I just, I, I just wrote down some names, starting with Jack, um, and and meet you know his several of his boys, good players. Harry almost won on tour, lost to fill in a playoff. But whether it's Nicholas, Watkins, Irwin, Stadlers, Guybergers, Stocktons, Loves, a lot of guys, uh, and and good players. Did you did you worry about this idea of the burden of the name on the bag uh, for Bill at any point? I don't think so. Uh, I think, you know, I never thought of myself as someone that was untouchable, certainly for my boys. You know, I thought they were wonderful golfers and had a great, great golf swings and things like that. Uh, but I never, I never thought in terms of that being a deterrent or, or something that they had to live up to, you know, the, the game of golf, boy, it's uh, it's not who, you know, it's what you know and how you can put that to use. There's no, uh, free passes. Uh, what, what did you shoot? That's kind of the name of the game. And if you can't perform, uh, you know, step aside, somebody's going to take your spot. So to, to be able to, to, to have a legacy in this game or to uh, continue that legacy is, is pretty amazing. You know, I, I guess I kind of uh, shake my head and how Bill has done, uh, you know, in the same family, the, just the odds of someone becoming a tour professional and being successful at it is pretty astronomical. So the, the odds of someone coming from the same family 
is is pretty incredible too. You know, I know Kevin Stadler's had some uh, some success on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, Drew Love. Uh, you know, and down the line, there's been some guys that have played pretty darn well. But I think that you might see a little bit more of that in the future. You know, if we can go back to talking about me being away, the the dads aren't away as much no. as they used to be. I mean, like 30, 32 events. There was no daycare, you know, not net jets, all this different stuff. So I was gone a lot. And I think that kids in that era were probably thinking, well, I don't like golf because my dad takes my dad away from me. So, uh, you know, again, it takes a pretty crazy special person, I think, at a young age to want to do this and stick with it because it is kind of a, a lonely game. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of rambling here, but I never thought there was a, a – I was in a position to say, boy, these, these kids got a lot to live up to. I was, uh, I tried to be positive with them. And, and again, Jan was such a calming influence. A, a, a normalcy, I think is, uh, probably, uh, the way they are today. All the kids are unbelievable, uh, fine young people and got great families of their own. And that's, uh, that's all on Jan. You know, you mentioned lonely. There's also something that it's it's inherent. You have to be selfish to some degree. Um, and, but Bill, you know, you mentioned Q School. Your dad was there for that. You win the FedEx Cup title. He was there for that. Uh, I, I the 2015 Presidents Cup is a situation that's so unusual it may never be replicated again. Who knows? Maybe 25, 50 years from now. Who knows? Did you ever feel like you were playing for more than just yourself at these critical junctures of your career? Uh, selfishly, pro probably not. Honestly, I think I was, maybe that's just how uh, my parents raised me or my dad raised me in golf say is to realize that it is an individual game and it's all on you. Like there are times where I probably have said to myself, I wish my dad could hit this shot for me. Um, but then deep down, you know, that you have to do it, you know, to, uh, to, to shoot a score, you got to put, you know, you got to hit every shot. And, uh, I mean, the president's cup was as nervous as I've ever been in my life. Um, and I don't know that I remember, I don't remember thinking like, oh, this is, I'm nervous because I was a pick and my dad's the captain and this is the deciding point. I just think it was because it was my match. It came down to the last hole and knowing that whoever won the, the hole would win the, um, well, if, he, if he'd have won the last hole, saying Moon Bay, then they would have had the right. match. Um, but I still would have lost. That would have mean I lost the match that caused us to lose uh, the President's Cup. So I just remember feeling all those nerves of don't screw this up. And it's not, I think that's what nerves are. It's not necessarily I'm nervous because I want to hit a good shot. I don't want to hit a bad shot. It's just I just don't want to screw up, you know. And, and I'm in this position. I've gotten here. This is great. But, man, if I mess this up, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll never forget it in a negative way. And, and the best players, they, I think everyone gets nervous, but the best players certainly seem to handle that. Well, I, I watched the end of the golf yesterday and Rory, uh, even Rory, that, that last group, they all look super comfortable down the stretch and hitting unbelievable quality shots. And, um, you know, that's the reason they're the best in the world. Jay, the, the whole situation on that Sunday of the president's cup, 
It wasn't like you were in a walk. I mean, you put him in the anchor match. This is a tight match. What was the conversation that he found himself? And oh, by the way, Sangmoon Bay is from the nation in which it's being held. And oh, by the way, after this, he's going to go off and serve military. I mean, there was like, there were so many layers to this whole thing. Why did he, why was he in the last match? You know, Freddie was my number one assistant, as I was for him for three, the three previous President's Cup. And when we would pick our matches and point, point them out when you go in the press room there and you, you talk about the, the next day's matches, I kept pointing to Bill, you know, somewhere around the seven, eight, nine mark or whatever. And Bill was playing very well. He, he had a, a really weak, he was one, one and one, but uh, he was in every match and, you know, he, we, we were very confident in Bill. And every time I point to Bill, Freddie would shake him off, you know, shake it off. We're going to put this guy in, put this guy in. And then all of a sudden it came down to uh, the last two. And, you know, Freddie kind of moved Bill's card over to the side. We do little three by five cards with everybody's names on them. It's just easier to handle for everybody and to see who, rather than crossing out on a, on a notepad or something. But uh, anyway, so I think Freddie felt like, you know, he should be in the last match if it got to that. And honestly, I didn't think it would. I honestly thought that the guys were playing very well. They, you know, were, were comfortable. We had some amazing golfers on that team. And so I felt like it was probably going to be over. But then midway through the back nine, it looked like, no, this is uh, this is going to happen. And only one captain, assistant captain can be in charge at any one time, you kind of have to pass the baton, you know, over the walkie talkie and all that. And Davis was watching Bill and Sangmoon Bay play uh, toward the end there. And I remember him saying, do you want to come and take over? And I just, it didn't, it's not that I wanted to be uh, not responsible, but at the same time, Bill knew what it meant. Everybody knew what it meant. And I didn't want to upset any kind of, you know, be, on the tee at 17, a tough par three and be talking to Bill how to hit this shot. What, what are you going to say? You know, I mean, this is important. He knew that. So uh, I just kind of left things alone and it, it, unbelievable scenario. Really, you've got the other 11 players out there, the other 11 uh, wives and significant others. Uh, the other 11 caddies on both sides of the coin. So you've got, uh, I don't know how many, 40 or 50 people that have an immediate impact on this result. Then the crowd, and then add in the fact that Stang Moon was going off to, to war, basically. And it was a pretty incredible situation. And I know Bill's, uh, I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, you know, too much almost. And I know that Bill's shot that he hates is a shot to the right. Well, there's water all down the right on this 18 hole. Get a good drive. You can knock it up there on the green on a Tuesday afternoon. It's not a big deal, but on Sunday, uh, the final match, this was a pretty uh, testy shot. And he's, he probably hit two of the best shots he's ever hit under the circumstances to, to get this done. And, uh, you know, a scenario that I'll never forget, uh, you know, Jan and I were on the 18th green and when I realized that he was going to win this hole and win this match and we were going to win, it was uh, euphoria. I really couldn't even speak hardly. And 
the whole scenario of him being my son, being in the last group, winning the match, uh, too much, really. Pretty, pretty uh, storybook, I guess you'd say. Yeah, Bill, I, I've told you this. I thought the second you hit to 17 at Riviera, the year you won in the playoff against Keegan and Phil, was as good a, a second as I've seen under the circumstances. I thought your second 18 against Sang Bay was like equally as good. I don't know who set up that pin position. First of all, I don't know about the design itself. I've never been there. I, I, I thought the result was like the, the worst result possible for a shot of that quality. Um, I, I want to know your, like you're processing all of this. I just heard your dad's perspective. How about yours? Yeah, I agree with you. I've told people that that was probably the best quality shot I've hit. Uh, obviously, people talk about the shot at East Lake out of the water, but that's not necessarily a quality golf shot. It was kind of a hit and hope situation. Uh, but the one at um, in Korea, South Korea, we, um, you know, a lot of stuff could go wrong. I knew you couldn't miss left. There's a big swell down there, and that's where Sang Moon hit his ball. Uh, and I'd heard through other players, or maybe Davis had said, left of the screen is not good. Uh, and so my head, water's right, keep in mind. So left's not good, but neither is right. And so I just was, and as a three iron, uh, off a little hanging lie, um, very small uh, margin for error. And uh, when I basically, when I hit it, it came off and it was going pretty much right at it. And I, I think I just felt a sense of relief right then. And, um, you know, just that it was going to be a decent shot. And I, obviously it ran through, went just in the back bunker, but, I think somebody was there, my, either my caddy or Davis or another player was like, that's fine, that's fine. You know, that's a good spot to hit it. Uh, and it turned out to be um, is a pretty easy bunker shot. Now, the, the situation, I remember being in that bunker shot even after saying Moon had, ch- had kind of chunked his chip and then had to hit another one, and he had 20 feet for par maybe, and I'm chipping for eagle from about 12 feet. It was a close chip. Um, and so I just remember thinking, like, well, just don't dump this in the bunker, you know, and all the thoughts that you can't have. And. I, just remember, I remember Phil afterwards at the award ceremony was like, hey, Bill, if, if uh, St. Moon hadn't dumped that chip, you would have tried to make that bunker shot right. You know, <laughs> that's the way Phil thinks. That's There's the difference. He's trying to make it. And I'm just like, let's just get this on the green and, and two putt and get out of here. Um, but I, I remember that. I remember Phil kind of ribbing, ribbing me a little bit that I didn't hit, didn't hit that chip <laughs> close enough in his mind. So, um, but no, that was uh, as nerve wracking as a situation I've been in in golf and, uh, and I have had plenty that I have not pulled off. So to have a shot like that and it work out uh, in our favor, at least I got that. Jay, was it euphoria or relief when it was over? Uh, I think uh, more euphoria than relief. It was, uh, you know, I think the captains put a lot of, uh, a lot into the events uh, the, the President's Cup, Ryder Cup, uh, more than they let on, maybe, but it's all self-induced. It's all stress. You know, the, the, the tour, the PGA Tour, uh, the PGA of America, they make it as easy as possible, but it's all internal uh, in my head, thinking about what all could go wrong and what I didn't do and things like that. But again, w- what a team we had and every one of the guys capable of winning a golf tournament any single time. So, you know, I was confident in the players, but the, the elation of winning that cup is uh, 
probably was a little bit more than than the relief, although I slept pretty good that night, I remember. You know, uh, it's it's interesting. That's 2015. And so you share this experience. But, Bill, I want to ask you about 2004 in the Ryder Cup because, you know, players talk about getting to a point where their kids, like, have an idea of what they what they do. And usually we're talking about, like, 10- and 12-year-olds. Your, your father is damn good enough to be on a Ryder Cup when he's 50. And you're 22 and you're turning pro. And it's, it's the Ryder Cup where you talk about a lot going on. How Sutton stomping around in a cowboy hat. He puts Phil and Tiger together. Um, and, and your dad's on the team. What do you remember about that week? Um, yeah, I, I remember being, I remember him playing Sergio maybe in the singles. Is that right? Uh, Sergio. I- uh, I don't know. I remember a match maybe against Sergio. This so maybe you and Demarco played them, or he played them in the uh, afternoon on Saturday. Yeah, and I I, did, I remember kind of thinking Sergio's not that much older than me. Um, how good he is, and then also at the same time, and how cool is it? This is my dad, who's not you know, and Sergio's not much younger, older than me, and my dad's playing him, and. Um, I think there's just a lot of those aha moments the older you get of, of realizing this is a bigger deal than just my dad playing uh, the Ryder Cup. And um, I know they got they got beat that week, but there was still a lot of those moments amongst inside the week. But no, just the uh, realizing how great it was and how great he is and, and all the guys on the team, I think I um, I don't even remember thinking this is something I want or I, I think I just realized how good they are and how how tough this game is and um and uh, and i was trying to get there i wasn't even trying to get there i was just trying to make my way onto the tour i think at that point i just graduated played some um uh monday qualifiers and some sponsor invites to try to earn my way out there and i knew i had to i think i had to get a q school in a few weeks and uh just realized i, I got a long way to go if i want to be on this stage Jay, you know, it was not unreasonable if you thought, you know, 95 is probably going to be my last Ryder Cup team. And, and nine years later, you're on the side again. You're three years older than your captain, Hal Sutton. Um, did, did you feel, I mean, was there a great sense of gratitude? Or was it like, God, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping into this cauldron again? Uh, I think I was... Uh... I was playing really well. Some of the best golf that I'd ever played in my career. And I was mentally, I was better, I think, than I was maybe in my prime, so to speak. Uh, I didn't know any better back in the 80s, I guess. I won a few tournaments. But I think at that age, uh, you know, maybe I appreciated it more. But at the same time, I I kind of felt like uh, I kind of turned the page of trying not to hit a bad shot and trying to hit a good shot instead of trying not to hit a bad one. I was trying to hit good ones uh, under pressure and things like that. But the Ryder cup is uh, in president's cup. Any of those team events is a whole different animal. you know, you, you've heard it from everyone just about say across the board that it is different than playing an individual tournament. And when you make a bogey, it's only on you and you miss a short putt. It's only on you. Whereas at the, at least those team events, it's uh, you're you're, you know, you feel it for the other eleven guys, and 
you know, but I, I don't know if I was proud. I was I, I, a sense of accomplishment, certainly uh, to, you know, and they were making a big deal about being 50 and all that. But, uh, you know, I was always told that the ball doesn't know your name. You know, you just go out there and if, it, if you hit a good shot, it's a good shot. It's not necessarily better because you're younger or older or your name's Tiger or anything like that. It's just a good shot. So I tried to be in that moment and uh, you know, appreciate where I was and being on that team. Any of those teams, I've looked around the room and just go, wow, uh, I'm one of these guys. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing to, uh, to be sitting here with, with these other 11 guys and be one of them. You know, it was pre-social media, and I can't imagine if when Phil and Tiger being announced that they were going to play together, what, what the reaction would have been like. It still was significant. Bill, as somebody who is now immersed in the game, going to try to make a career of the game, were you into that? I mean, do you remember asking your dad, like, can you believe they're doing this? Do you think Hal's doing the right thing? I mean, were you were you into it that way? I, I think I was I was certainly into it, and I think I was probably on the on the side, maybe the American captain side of how could this team ever lose? Maybe the two greatest players certainly of this era, and I um, I didn't I wasn't on board with some of the media that or some of the people that were just like this is. Oh, this is dumb. They don't. They're not buddies. They don't. This isn't going to work out. And I don't think it did work out for whatever. I don't. I don't even necessarily remember. But they didn't maybe win their match. Or they, I know they, they played twice Phil that day left. and lost both matches. Phil, I remember Phil hitting it maybe left on eighteen yes. or something like that. And um, but I I don't know. I why wouldn't you put them together? Either uh, the argument I guess would be that. They're, uh, that's only one point. If they if they both win, that's only one point. You separate them, they got two two great players that could win two points. But uh, I would certainly certainly think that's an intimidation or an intimidating group uh, to be paired against. I I, I wouldn't want to play Tiger and Phil. So uh, pretty cool, really. I think it's cool that they put them together. Obviously, it didn't work out uh, for those matches. But I do remember thinking, like, man, this is two uh, heavyweights. Yeah, I, I've always, I, I've never, and I, I've spent some time with Hal talking about it, and I, Jay, you know, I mean, it, it took a toll on him, the aftermath of it, literally years of, of feeling like like he was the bad guy when he thought he was doing something that I wanted it. And I, I, I the fact that they never tried to right the wrong, um, I think it's unfortunate. I think uh, if you go back in history, I, I've never really studied all the team results. All the great players uh, played together. You know, Jack and Arnold, I don't know if they ever lost. You know, they played the World Cups together. Uh, you know, they were they were head to head. They were they didn't like each other in, in what we hear anyway. Uh, so why not? And I think I was a little intrigued myself. Now, if you look back and, and like Bill said, uh, you know, you had two of the best players and they should carry each team. Uh, and there's two points they could win. And the Euros have nothing to lose if they beat the two best players, a huge boost for them. And that's kind of what happened. So it was a little, it backfired a little bit, but Hal was a wonderful captain. He did everything. He covered every base. So uh, to blame anything, uh, any result on Hal is uh, is wrong because he was uh, he was solid as a captain. Again, A to Z, he covered it all, and you know the guys just didn't play well. We didn't play well. Uh, I want to ask you about this year in New Orleans, uh, Bill. 
uh, to do this, I, I don't know that Sheber thought, well, at some point, let's, let's, yeah, you'll, you'll play together in some hit and giggle, not in a PGA Tour event. Uh, just what was the best thing about that week? My dad's game, my, the way he played was the best. He was the best player in the group every day. And, and I'm not just saying that to be nice or uh, I think the, the the best ball the first day, he maybe we shot seven under, he made five birdies. Um, I mean, I remember being in the stretch trailer the next morning um, and Charlie Hoffman was like, your dad wouldn't keep his tour card out here. Like if he played, he would, he, he should do it. Like, why doesn't he do that? He, and he was just very impressed, I think. And, and I was as well, but also too, I've told people that when we play together at home, that's how he plays. So I wasn't shocked by his game. Um, but for it to come down, you know, make the cut and he made the putt there on 18, which was a very difficult par putt, uh, windy into the grain, all that stuff. And I think all the players, um, knew that and that have seen it, they kind of understand that putt and what, and for him to make it, uh, was such a, um, it was such a cool moment. I, uh, you know, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It was a, it was a cool two days. And then obviously to play the weekend, I thought I'd be freed up on the weekend. Like, Oh, let's just go shoot a low number or whatever. And I was nervous on the first tee the next day. Cause you just want to play well for your team, for your teammate. Uh, and this one just happened to be my dad. So I really wanted to play well. And, um, those were, those were cool feelings. Jay, he mentioned the putt on 18, you know, here I am on a Friday afternoon, dying lousy for you to, you know, shake one in from five feet because it was neat. I mean, it was, a, it was, I mean, and you knew everything that was going on. You knew you needed it. Can you compare that to anything? Well, it, it, at this stage, no, I can't hardly, you know, just the whole scenario again, when Bill said, you know, here I'm playing with my son, I'm playing on the PGA tour. Uh, we got uh, Charlie Hoffman and, and Nick Watney as our playing companions there. And, we knew what the number was. Uh, it, it uh, we had had a little bit of a cushion and they made a couple bogeys coming in. Alternate shot is a hard format, and you know, it's winds blowing and Bill's dragging me around, you know, 40 yards behind those guys and everything. But I hit a terrible third shot in there, and I was, I saw the like a good pool player maybe seeing two and three, four shots ahead. I knew that I needed to hit it in there, you know, 15, 18 feet at least. So Bill could make it or, or lay it up and I could tap it in. And, you know, I, I don't know what his first putt was 42 feet or something like that. Terrible eight iron shot into the wind water, right. Uh, on Again, on Tuesday, not a big deal, but on Friday afternoon, trying to make the cut, it was, I was feeling the pressure, but when he hit this putt from the, I'm looking at it from the side and, and good players can kind of see a ball where they know it's going to get there. It's going too hard, too soft. And about halfway there, I went, Oh boy, I don't think this is going to get close enough for me. And I don't know what the, you know, it looked like it was 12 feet. I guess it was four or something like that, but it, it was, uh, it was quite a testy putt, but to, to make that uh, to, there's relief. I think <laughs> that was, that was the relief uh, time when, you know, ju again, just to do that with, with Bill, uh, to be on that range with all those players and I had a pretty darn good feel that mm -hmm. week, you know, Scotty Scheffler had just come a couple weeks prior to that uh, at the masters. So uh, there was some, uh, and, and, you know, across the board, uh, uh, the two guys that won uh, uh, Cantlay and huh. Shoffley. 
Shoffley. Yeah, uh, my goodness, what uh, what good great golf they played. So uh, to be on that stage again and then to perform and somehow I hit it on the on the correct yip there. It it uh, no, I, it was it was good to see it go down. Bill, um, when like what you said that Charlie Hoffman said to you, you know how good your dad's game is. Um, what what kind of source of pride is it for him to to be around all your contemporaries at this stage of, of his life and his career? And it's it's got to be like it's got to be found money, isn't it? I don't. It's amazing. I was struggling to to stay out here at age forty. So twenty eight years later, if I'm still teeing it up and shooting good scores. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine, to be honest. I mean, I think that's what we all strive for. We all want to keep playing and uh, and keep playing well. We all don't want to keep playing if we struggle. Um, so the fact that he's not struggling is is amazing, and not because he can't do it or because I don't believe that he can do it or shouldn't be able to because I see it all the time. Every time we play, uh, he plays solid. But um, I think he got a kick. I think – I mean, I'm speaking for him. He can He can – talk about it but like being on the range next to Xander and Patrick Cantlay and um I mean this is not a knock on him but th- his ball doesn't come off the face like <laughs> Brooks Kepkas and not, not many people's do but so to be right next to the guys like that and um and he played just as good as anybody uh, that I could have uh, anybody else I could have picked uh, he played so nice and um I was trying my best just to stay along to, to keep along to be honest and so um yeah, I think it just it should give him more confidence. I remember thinking he's going to win the next week because the, the, the confidence he must have had from how good he played against, um, you know, the younger guys. Jay, you know, to hear Bill say, you know, I he can still win and all this stuff. Um, why do you still do it? I mean, I know you love golf. Um, clearly, you have to love golf. But there is, I think there is an undercurrent of competitiveness that's underrated here. You can't just keep doing this because you love golf. You got to have a chip. Are you surprised how long you've maintained this streak of competitiveness in your job? Yeah, I am a little surprised. I think, you know, when I first started at 22, 23, there was no such thing as the senior tour that morphed into the champions tour. So I thought uh, at, at that stage in the 70s, the guys played till they were early mid forties. And that was kind of it, you know, the ball didn't go as far this, you know, younger players were better. Their top 60 was exempt. Uh, you know, you just moved on there was really no, no reason to continue to play. Plus the money wasn't very good. If you finished a hundredth on the money list in 1978, you didn't win 20,000, you know, and if you're 45 years old and you got kids going to college and you know, all that, uh, you had to find a different job because it wasn't going to get much better. Uh, now a hundredth on the money list on the PJ tour is a million plus, And then you've got the champions tour to, to go to. And, and, you know, the money's unbelievable out, out there. So, um, you know, I didn't think that I would be still playing, obviously, at this age. But I think uh, to my benefit in, in my profession is I, I've got uh, a lot of competitiveness. I got that gene in spades. And I think that you can't teach that. And I'm blessed mm-hmm. that, I, that I do. I just I love the fact that 
uh, I like to play any kind of game and, and to succeed at it and to, to pit myself against the next guy. So uh, that's, uh, I, I think that's a plus for myself, but uh, if I didn't have it, I probably wouldn't still be doing it. I was walking the fairways in uh, Madison yesterday and, you know, I just was thinking that the reason I do it is to still see if I can do it, I guess, you know, to hit a good shot under pressure, to make a birdie, to make a nice putt, to, to shoot a good round, uh, to shoot my age. Uh, you know, my goal is to make the top 36 and in, in, to get to Phoenix at the end of the year. That's a long shot, but if I play well, I think I can do it. So, you know, I, I you better be ready to, to quit if you quit. You can't have second thoughts, I think. You just, you you can't say, I think maybe I should, in my, this is my opinion. And I think that uh, you have to let retirement sneak up on you almost and say, hey, it's time. And one week I might just say, you know what? I'm done, I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't wanna maybe just slowly ease on out. I just, I'll probably just turn out the lights and say, that's it. You know, uh, Bill, mortality in the game can can happen you know, whether it takes six months, 16 months, six years, but mortality in life is something nobody expects to have to deal with at 35, 36, and you did. The accident you were in, that the, the gentleman who's driving the car, whose, whose life was lost, and when they have the U.S. Open at L.A. North next year, I promise that story is going to be told because he was instrumental. He was a, he was a figure in the game of golf. Um, how difficult has that been for you over the last four-plus years? Um, it's, it's been tough. It's something I, I definitely still think about. Um, it, it just puts things in perspective. Um, I, I, I try not to make it say, well, everything's gravy. Golf doesn't, doesn't matter because it does matter to me. It's what I like to do. It's what I want to do with, for my, for my job and, um, for my family. And I, I, I'm trying to do it better, um, every day. Um, but at the same time, I think it just does make you realize that, um, you know, unfortunately he's not here and I am, and I, I, fortunately I have that ability to, um, to go on and enjoy my family, um, until my day comes. And that was a horrible, a horrible day. And, um, and it just shows you how quickly something like that can happen. And you have to be careful. You can't walk on eggshells in life and you can't just uh, live in a bubble, but, um, it was just a, an accident and accidents happen. And, uh, it certainly changed. It's changed me. Um, I'm trying to be for the better, you know, I don't want it to change me for the worse and make me a worse golfer say, or certainly not a worse husband than dad. I, I'm just trying to be, um, you know, be the best person I can be and, uh, and, and move on and, and time is, is healing. And I've, you know, I think we've healed from it, but at the same time, you don't ever forget. And uh, Mark was a great man. And um, it's just unfortunate that I was part of that. I don't, um, I don't wish it on anybody. Jay, your viewpoint as a father, um, the minutes, the hours, the days uh, that, that followed, what, what, what is, what is the thing that stays with you about that? Uh, well, immediate, I'll text Bill, 
you know, weekly kind of uh, how's golf going? Uh, good round today. Looks like the scores are, you know, just some comment just to get a, a conversation going. And he usually within the hour or so he might be out to dinner or something like that. He'll get back to me and maybe we'll talk or we'll just trade some texts or something. But I, I remember saying, how's golf going this week? And he texted back within or actually he called me right back and the accident has just happened. So I went from, you know, just relaxed and, you know, thinking about his week and he was starting to play pretty good, I think. And uh, he was at the scene, you know, EMS hadn't been there or anything like that. And so I don't know, I, I kind of tried to erase that from my memory, I guess. It just was not, not uh, something I would want to experience again or anyone should, but uh, I guess I was relieved that he was okay, but he said at the time, he says, I don't think he's, uh, he's good, you know, and uh, you couldn't see all this different stuff. So, uh, you know, Bill and I, I don't know how to approach Bill about it. I think he's, he, he's knows that I'm here for him and all that. And I was, and, but I just didn't know what to say or do. I mean, I don't think anyone can understand what he's gone through you know, unless you experience something like that and how many people do. Mm. So it, it, there's no book or blueprint on how to, how to respond or how to act or anything. And, you know, again, like Bill says, it's an accident and they happen a lot and too much. Uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, I think it did change him. I think it changed his outlook on, on life and, you know, better, worse, it just changed. Sure. And so yeah, I think as a young person, we all think we're bulletproof and, you know, just uh, no, nothing bad's going to happen. And so uh, to, to have that, you know, I don't think anybody will ever forget anything like that, but uh, you know, he's got a strong family and strong support. So, you know, you think, and like Bill says, I hear him say it many times that he's here and Mark's not. And so he should be thankful. And I think he is, but at the same time, you, you, uh, I don't know, survivors, remorse, guilt, whatever you say is, uh, is something that's real. Yeah. Bill, I've never asked you about it. I appreciate you both being willing to, to share on, on this subject. I know four plus years removed. It's, it's not easy. Uh, let me let me end this on on a much lighter note. Uh, five questions for both of you. Uh, I'm curious as to how you both answer these questions. Bill, I'll start with you. Who is the best pure ball hitter you've ever seen? Tiger. Not close. I just his irons, especially. Um, I don't remember a whole a bad iron shot that, I, and I've only played with him a handful of times. But he just was beautiful. Some of the shots he'd hit. Um, first time I ever played with him was at Boston, TPC of Boston, and it was on the third hole. The pin was a back right, and it's not overly an overly difficult par three per se. But he, it was just an iron that never left the pin, and I was looking thirty feet left and hoping it leaked over there a little bit. And he went right at it, and uh, I just remember thinking, "Wow, that was." that was different. And, uh, and, and I guess I said that a lot about his golf more than anybody else's. Um, but there's been a handful of players 
that I've said wow to um, certainly over the years, but he, he was probably the most. Jay, how about you? You know, I would say Tiger in the sense that I played with him in his prime and I really didn't play with Jack in his prime, you know, toward the end of his career. Uh, everybody says Lee Trevino was amazing what he could do with the golf ball. But, uh, you know, I think Tiger is proving stat wise, T uh, to green, uh, awfully impressive. And I think he and like Bill said, he pointed out just a common iron shot on a par three stands out uh, in a practice round. Uh, Tiger hit this eight iron. I was playing with him at uh, players and we played nine holes and he hit an eight iron on the third hole. And I just, it, it, it was almost like in slow motion, you could see every perfect position he was in and this ball took off. It didn't go in the hole. It didn't get, you know, it was 10 or 12 feet, but it was like, wow, that's the way a golf shot should be struck. And it was, uh, you know, I, I think that at one time he was probably, the, uh, the number one driver on the tour, accuracy and distance, uh, certainly distance-wise, but he was pretty straight to maybe the top 20 or 30 in driving accuracy, which is pretty incredible. But uh, I would probably probably say TW. All right. Um, this probably hadn't happened very often. I don't know if it ever has, but Jay, what's the maddest you've ever been at him on a golf course? <laughs> Uh, you know, I remember one time in college, I thought he hit the wrong shot off the tee in a, in a, in a, in a regional or something like that. Is it Auburn? He, uh, he remembers. Oh, it might've been at all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that he was, he was mad because he missed a few putts or whatever. And I get all that and everything, but he took a driver on this hole where I, I didn't even, I couldn't even believe that anybody would try to hit driver. He was trying to drive it up in front of the green over a Creek and all this stuff. And he hit it in the trees, I think. And I think that, uh, you know, he was, I thought he was losing sight of the team aspect of it and all that. And I, I get it, but, uh, but I've never been mad at him uh, other than I, I was, I guess I was disappointed in, in that situation there. He remembers that, <laughs> but uh Hey, I know how hard this game is, and I've been unbelievably upset and try crazy stuff out there. And so I, I, I have no problem with people getting mad as long as they don't disrupt play. But uh, that's the only time I can remember. Bill, is that it? You were mad at him for being mad at you, or do you have another one? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think I was mad at him for being mad. I think I probably I knew it was a poor decision. I think a. I was hoping I'd have pulled it off, and then you know I could have pointed the finger. See, look, I told you, but uh, it was just an after-the-fact thing. I think I made a big number on the hole, and it could have. I don't. I think our team got through um, to NCAA, so it ended up not being a big deal. But I was a counting score, so if I make par or bogey there, it's a good chance I'm not hurting my team. And instead, I make you know double or triple, I think, and I I could have cost my team a chance to go to the NCAA's and. Uh, I remember the conversation after was short, but it was more about that than it was about my club decision there. It was just about you're on a team and you're representing your school. And um, it was in a different tone than that, too. It was it was uh, I, I understood that I understood the position I was in was not good. So I have several caps, so the golf professional cap, the teacher cap, the dad cap. The dad cap came on on that one. <laughs> Very nice. All right, Bill, what's a place you'd like to take him to play that you both have never been to? Um, to go play golf. Yes. Never been. 
I don't know. Where has he never been in golf? Um, that's a good, good, uh, tough one. Um, you guys ever done any traveling to go to like destination golf? Just you and some guys. You've never, you've never gone out to Bandon Dunes. You've never been to Sand Hills. You've never. No, I guess uh, Bill's probably like me is, uh, you know, the last thing we want to do is go on a guy's (laughs) golf trip. I guess I always thought uh, that was a pretty hard sell if I came home and said, Jan, by the way, uh, next week, uh, you know, seven other guys are, we're we're going out to Sand Hills or we're going to Bandon or wherever, you know, there's, there's a couple places. I know you've asked Bill this question, but there's a couple places that I've heard a very cool experience and there's a, a fisher's island uh, awesome the, have you been yes. there it, it, I've, uh, and uh, maybe a, a really nice golf course but just the whole experience of it and and hey i would like to do stuff like that but it's just you know it, being gone playing golf and everything is just uh you know try to, we'll try to do more of it in the future uh, maybe someplace in scotland or ireland or something uh, and take jay and bill and uh, some close friends we've got you know son-in-laws now and who like golf so we're uh, you know we mentioned congaree earlier yes. so maybe we can down there yeah no and that's that's close enough if you do ask jan let's record that conversation when you say okay. we're gonna, right. <laughs> gonna go on a boondoggle drink some good wine and be gone for five days you good with that? That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, Bill, who is the guy your dad loved to beat the most? Um, I mean, I would assume it would probably be the top players at the time. You know, uh, he told a few stories about playing with Jack, and I think he um, he told a story made the memorial you're playing with Jack, and he gave you a tip or something, and jack said the next day you're really trying that tip i gave you and he's like well yeah you're jack nicholas i'm gonna try whatever tip you tell me so i would assume you want you know those are the guys you want to beat the guys you look up to and respect and uh maybe have more accolades and you want to um you know prove you belong with those type of guys so i, w- I would assume it was jack and arnold and well maybe not, i don't know how much you played against arnold but um and and jack he didn't play much i don't I don't know it's a good question um you didn't have somebody jay that got your goat i mean john cook is always there's a couple guys he walked in as he likes to say he walked in gordon brewer at the u.s amateur in 74 at ridgewood when he was 16 he's like i walked in that old man i'm like old man he was like in his late 30s um and then and and he beat phil in the match play one year that was very gratifying to him is there somebody bill enjoys beating you know, I guess I'll take the uh, the easy way out and say what Bill said is, is the best players. Yeah. You, you know, I think you, when you put yourself up against the best, whether they're you think they're a good guy or not a good guy, uh, I think it's pretty gratifying to uh, to come out on top. You know, to show them that hey, I got some game too. And and I think in any walk of life, there's people that you get along with better than others, and so uh, it's nice to beat people that maybe. You you, uh, you you don't go out to dinner with or something like that. But you know what? I've found later in life that uh, I judge a book by its cover too much. And people that I maybe didn't uh, 
think I would enjoy. Uh, it turns out I do. You know, I could tell a quick story here. Hubert Green, God rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, he was tough. Uh, he he was kind of uh, somebody who would get try to get under the skin of, of rookies. And I remember saying something about, uh, how'd you do yesterday, Hubie? And he said, well, it's Mr. Green or Hubert to you, Rook. And, and he was kidding. But I didn't know that at the time, and it really pissed me off. And so he was one of my goals, you know, to, to beat Hubert Green. But it, uh, later on, I thought Hubert is a pretty cool guy, and I really enjoyed being around him. So uh, he, he got under my skin. He succeeded in what he was trying to do. But uh, he was somebody who I would have said, boy, I love beating Hubert today because uh, he was one of the best players, too. Yeah, I, I asked this question of Lanny one time. He gave me a list. Uh, not, su- <laughs> not surprisingly. All right. right. Uh, last question for both of you. What's the one thing you most have in common with each other? Bill, I'll let you answer it first. Um, I think we both really, the competitive side of us, like in to win, like he was saying, anything he did, the playing ping pong, shooting hoops in the yard, um, going fishing, you, you want, you know, everything about you want to succeed in what you're doing. And so no matter what I try to do, I think I want to do it well. I don't think I'm just out there, um, uh, for, you know, for giggles. I think I, uh, I, that competitive side in me, I think I got from him and, and I see it in him all the time. And that's the reason he's been so good for so long, uh, obviously with the talent as well, but his, his drive to, to succeed, is something I think I have a little bit of. I think I wish I had more of it, but he uh, he instilled a lot of that in, of himself into me. Jay, how would you answer that? I think uh, it, it, maybe not in the best way. Uh, we're both pretty hard on ourselves. And, you know, that motivated maybe uh, in my eyes and uh, personally, it, you know, I won't say I was, uh, I would run myself down or anything, but you know, you suck, you can't do this, all this different stuff. But I knew deep down I could, but it was like I was, uh, it was a crutch or something. And, you know, he probably got that from me. And at times I, I've told him, you need to be a better friend of your, to yourself because nobody really cares. Certainly not your, the, your playing competitors. They, they hope you shoot uh, 80 every day almost, you know, or, or at least one more than they do. So I think that's a, that's something that, uh, maybe goes along with being competitive is wanting it so badly that you, you know, there's a disappointment when it doesn't happen, but players with less ability, I see succeed because they believe in themselves a lot. They just think that they're, they're going to do this. You know, you look at a, a, a Ed Fiore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you'd look at Ed and say, wow, I could beat this guy. It wasn't always the case. Ed was a hell of a competitor and believed in himself. And, uh, you know, and you look at a guy who's six, five and he crushes it and everything and maybe doesn't feel as confident. And uh, so he's not as intimidating maybe, but uh, you know, that attitude of I'm the best is, is what the best have. I think. Well, I, I really appreciate you both doing this and making the time to do it together. Uh, it's good seeing you. It's, it's no surprise that people watch or listen to this, uh, why, why the family is so well-respected, so admired. Uh, I hope you both have a great Father's Day. Thanks so much for doing this. Gary, thank you. You're, you're awesome and uh, a pleasure to be on with you. 
Thanks, Gary. Happy Father's Day to you too, man. Thanks. Well, if you just listened or watched, uh, you know what I have known for a long, long time. They're great. They're, they're great about each other, uh, but they are good people who have made a life in this game, playing it at a very high level, but way beyond being great at playing golf, is being really good in golf. So I really appreciate Jay Haas and Bill Haas for taking the time to share their life in the game of golf. For all of you out there, if you got a father in your life, call him, go see him. It's Father's Day, and have a great one. <laughs>